Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today I'm going to talk to you about blessing God who first blessed you. You didn't love him first. He loved you first. You love him back in response. We're going to talk about a group of women that followed Jesus and they gave to him because he'd done such great miracles in their life. Join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Today's going to be a day to look at the Word of God, but I just want to reflect back on the goodness of God. Man, He's been good to me and I know He's been good to you. And for those of you who've been born again for any time and, and served God and put him first in your life, you know that it's just, you know, the life we're living is just can't even be explained, even to some Christians, because there's many Christians accepted Jesus and they're partially in and out as far as study of the word of God or praising God. And maybe the time of prayer is whenever they run into trouble. They go to church once in a while or they watch it online and, you know, it's nominal and thank God they're born again and thank God they've grown a little bit, but they just don't know what it's like to really have a life sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where true discipleship comes, true discipleship following God and his word. Jesus said in John chapter eight to those who just believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now there is a truth to uh, receiving Jesus and being set free then because the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we become free and whom the son has set free is free indeed. But there's also a freedom in our daily life and this is from mental oppression, mental trauma trials, problems, worry, these types of things, because you can be born again and worry. I mean, Jesus warned about that throughout the word of God in the four gospels, then the, the apostles that wrote the rest of the New Testament make comment from time to time about worry and frustration and all those. And Jesus told us not to worry and to keep our trust and faith in him. And so why? Because he wants to give us a peace after we're born again. Or like I said there in what happened now is the fact that he sets us free in our daily life. And so understanding that, you know, yes, I can be free because I know I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful to know this life is covered but going into eternity. But the problems we face in life can be overwhelming. But to put our faith and trust in him brings a peace that like the Bible says, cannot be even understood, passes all understanding. And so I want to talk to you today about the fact that the reason why we can bless God is because he has blessed us. We love him who first loved us. I didn't choose Jesus to begin with. He chose me. He chose the entire world and came to die for everybody. And those that are nice, those that are, you know, those that are somewhat, you know, moral or all that life. And there's many we can look around us in this world that, you know, don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but they are moral. They are nice. They, they're they actually better, nicer people as sinners than some Christians, you know. But then it comes back to this, as he only, not only died for them, but he died for the worst of mankind. Because when it simply comes back to it, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What was there in us to love? Nothing. There was absolutely nothing in us to love. There's people that teach, you know, that, well, God's purpose purposely chose certain ones. Uh, Bob, he said yes to, but to Bill over, he said, no, I don't want you. And just like he flipped a coin, and this is called his sovereignty, he flipped a coin, and if you got heads, you win, tails, you lose. And some of the population, you know, he chose, others he did not choose. And so it even gets difficult to witness because you don't know who God chose to get saved and who he chose not to get saved. But that's not true, for God so loved the entire world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But what was there in us to love? Absolutely nothing. If there was something in me that as a sinner 
God said, I choose Bob, but I reject Bill over here. There must be some tiny, tiny, tiny bit of good in me to choose me over him because otherwise God has no standard. And God's not, again, one that we call sovereignty is just chance. That is not it at all. Sovereignty means God has a purpose in choosing one person over another. And if that's how he treats sinners, and it comes back to this, if Bob had any tiny, tiny bit of good in him, then the Bible is wrong because there is none worthy. There is no one righteous. No, not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there is nothing in me that would cause God to desire me at all. We are all as Bible says, putrefying sores, that we are sepulchers that are whitewashed, but on the outside, but on the inside, we're full of dead men's bones. We, we are a stench in God's nostrils. All these phrases and all these scriptures coming out tell us what we were, but yet God chose to love us. He chose to all of us. You know why he chose to love all of us? Because he loved us for his compassion toward us and his desire of what we could be. So Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. And then he shed that love out on the cross toward us. But the point of it is we have to choose him. And that's what it says, that I love God who first loved me. I choose Jesus to love because he chose to love me first of all. He didn't choose me just for salvation. I chose him for salvation, but he didn't just choose me for that. He chose me because he chose to love me, but not only me, but the entire world. And that includes you too. So what it simply comes back to is if I offer love to God, I can never love him as much as he loved me, never. Perhaps in eternity, I might see that, but I'm not sure even if eternity, I can never love God as much as he loved me. He loved me with an infinite amount of love, even after I'm saved. He loves thee through mistakes and trials and troubles, times when I have not chose to live for him, but yet his forgiveness is there for daily sins as it was for judging sins that kept me, uh, in, you know, that all the sins I've ever committed and left me with one thing, and that is to choose him as Lord and Savior. The moment I did, he now pours out that love on me. So I want to talk about that because there's a group of women that's very rarely discussed in the Word of God. In Luke chapter 8, I want, to take, don't, want you to turn there with me. Luke chapter 8, we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 3. And uh, when these uh, women that were following him, they supported him in the ministry. And he had many that supported him. In fact, you know, for people that think that Jesus was poor, he wasn't poor. All right. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, but me, you don't. But me means I'm not the poor. Jesus gave so often to the poor that even when at the end of it, at the end toward the end of his life, before he went to the cross, Judas grabbed the money bag and ran out the door. And the disciples said, well, he's gone to give money to the poor. They didn't know he was going out to absolutely turn against Jesus, to rebel against him and to sell him out to the Jews and to the Romans. So, so when he did that, he ran out the door. Everybody thought well, he was going to give money to the poor. It happened so often they didn't think a thing about it. Jesus gave money to the poor. And then like he said, but me, you don't always have, meaning I'm not the poor. Jesus had nice clothes. Jesus had possessions. Jesus had enough money to give salaries to 12 men that followed him and then still plenty left over to give to the poor. So Jesus had many supporters in his ministry, but here we're specifically told there were a group of women that supported him and they followed him from city to city. Luke chapter eight says this in verses one through three. It came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him and certain women. So the 12 traveled with him, but there were certain women that kept a distance from him who had been healed of evil spirits, 
from infirmities, diseases, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom were cast seven devils, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's servant, Susanna, and many others who ministered to him from their substance. Notice this, they followed him, but in each case, what it was, was they gave to him because he had given to them. They supported him because in the midst of everything, they found someone with infinite love toward them. They ministered to Jesus because like I said again, he had ministered to them. These women represented one extreme to the other of society. Mary Magdalene was single, a sordid past and not well thought of in the city. Again, she had a prostitution background. From her were cast seven devils. And Joanna was wealthy, a woman of great reputation. I want you to notice what was said about her. She was married to the steward of the Roman ruler of Jerusalem, Herod Antipas, who was the one who had the head of John the Baptist cut off. I mean, this must be incredible. I don't know if she ever told him that she was supporting Jesus' ministry. I'm sure that as his wife and he was mega rich and he just gave her money all the time to spend on clothes and shoes and what women love to do and just, you know, just things, go out with to lunch with her friends, whatever it was, but he didn't know it. She had accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior because Jesus had done something for her. Perhaps the fact she just gave her life to him. Perhaps she sat in a crowd and heard Jesus speak and saw signs and wonders and miracles. Perhaps she he had even been sick. We're just told there, not what happened in each case. We are told specifically what happened in the case of Mary Magdalene, but Joanna, this woman again of great reputation, great wealth, as opposed to Mary Magdalene, who was single and broke and had to live a life of prostitution with a sordid past and, re and rejected in society. Not so with Joanna. When she walked down the street, people would commend on her, you know, and talk about her because of her wealth, because of her husband's position and the great reputation she had. So again, uh, she was present with the other women at the resurrection later on, Luke 24 and verse 10. So we find out here she was a believer. We don't know what happened to her, but we do so find it here. Susanna is only mentioned here. Here. We don't know what her past was, but it said these women had things that came and, and Jesus had delivered them from them. So she gave to Jesus because he had first given to her. Then it says many others. These are unnamed women who followed and gave into his ministry. Only Mary Magdalene's story is actually given in the word of God. We don't know of the others. All that was mentioned again of Joanna was she was wealthy and that her husband was the steward of the leadership of Rome. So we find out here again in these verses, there was these women that followed him and they gave to him because of what he had done for them. It simply comes back to this. Why do I give to the Lord financially, just like these women? Because he first gave of heaven's riches to me. Why do I give him my love? I wasn't the first one to love Jesus. Jesus was the first one to love me. I wasn't the first to give to Jesus. Jesus was the first one of him and me to give to me. I so appreciate him, so love him. This is why I give to him. I want to say this, you know, when you go to church, why should you give to your church? Because of the things they have taught you, the friendships that you have there, this wonderful things that God has done for you are simply given to you because why? God loves you and the pastor loves you, the church loves you, and they're simply asking, why don't you love us back? But you know what? Even if you don't love Jesus back, if you get born again and never grow much in him, love doesn't come for the Lord immediately. Respect, 
appreciation, but love comes from the word of God. The more you understand the promises of God, the more you begin to grow in love and real appreciation. And those that truly love the Lord are not those that base the love on circumstances because every one of us go through troubles and trials. Every one of us go through circumstances in life, but you know what? It's coming back to the fact that despite that, I know circumstances, Romans chapter eight, cannot separate me from the love of God. Trials, troubles, tribulations, things to come, things past, satanic forces in the heavenlies, no circumstance on this earth, famine or whatever can separate me from the love of God. I begin to understand something. God loves me the same at all times. If I'm in good times or bad times, it doesn't increase God's love for me. What grows is my love for him. The more I understand what he did for me, the more my love grows. But again, I will never ever come to the infinite love for Jesus that he has for me. And he poured out that infinite love on me. He poured it out on me where he did not pour it out on angels. He poured it out on me for, and did not pour it out on anything else in creation except for me. And so again, because of mankind and mankind's failure, even in the midst of mankind's failure, in Adam all die, but in Christ shall all be made alive. In Adam, I failed. When he failed, I failed because I was inside of him. But there comes a day when I had a choice to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and understand John 3, 16, for God so loved Bob that he gave his only begotten son and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I'll see you when we come back from halftime. The main themes of the book of Philippians are joy in the Lord and partnership between believers. In Troas, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia calling him to come and preach the gospel. Paul began his ministry in this area in the Roman colony of Philippi before moving on to other cities. In his letter to them, Paul expresses his thanks and appreciation to the people in Philippi who stood by him as partners with their prayers and financial support. In this verse-by-verse teaching through the book of Philippians, Pastor Bob Yandian teaches from his personal study notes to give you greater insight into the church at Philippi and the topic of God's joy, which is the strength of our Christian life. To order this New Testament commentary on Philippians, visit bobyandian.com. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Many years ago, I wrote the book called God's Word to Pastors, and now I have updated it. Many new things I have seen from the Word of God applied into this book, and you're gonna be greatly blessed by it. I'm called to be a pastor, I trust you are too, and you will wanna get this book and become greatly impressed by what Paul had to say to pastors in Acts chapter 20, as well as what Jesus Christ has to say to you today. This is my book, God's Word to Pastors. To order your copy, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
was talking again about here the women that were supporting Jesus' ministry. And here's what's interesting about it, is they were motivated by their love for Jesus. Many had much to be forgiven of. Some had little to be forgiven of. Some were moral. Some took leadership. And we're not told here about, you know, in these, in these verses of scripture, the ones that have followed him, especially Joanna. She was wealthy, again, a woman of great reputation. But the point of it is, is perhaps, you know, she honestly took her husband's job seriously. Perhaps her husband took his job seriously and didn't use it to abuse. But we did find out he was the one that cut off the head of John the Baptist. Perhaps he did this out of political pressure, but he didn't even know John the Baptist himself personally, but yet he had the head of John the Baptist cut off. The point of it is here is some might've had even more to be forgiven of, especially, you know, Mary Magdalene. But let's talk about this. In your own life, your giving should be motivated by your love for Jesus, for him forgiving you, healing you, delivering you from so much. And that's what these women had. We're told here they loved him because of the things he did for them and the deliverances he gave to them that no man could give them. If you have demons, you can't go to just any person and get them taken away from you. No, you have to go to somebody who knows the Lord and knows the power of the name of Jesus and knows they have authority over demons to cast those things out of you. And that's what Jesus had. So they had been set free from demons. And so in the lives of them, here we have them brought out these verses of scripture is even Mary Magdalene here had these uh, devils cast out of her. We come back to it to this. Perhaps you've been delivered out of a marriage problem. After you've been born again, perhaps you've cheated in your business and the Lord spoke to you, convicted you, and you changed your life. Perhaps you'd committed adultery. And yes, you'd ask your wife or your husband to forgive you, but you know what? Inside you still lusted. And one day you found out the power of God and conquered that thing in your life. Perhaps you'd stolen. Perhaps you came through mental illness. These are things that I draw from my background because I did so much counseling with my congregation, those who came to see me. Bankruptcy. One man came to our church ready to declare bankruptcy, and he came because he heard my broadcast on the radio and came to the church and talked to me at the back of the church after service and said, I just want to, he said, I am a Christian, but I want to just totally give my life in submission to Jesus and find out what I'm supposed to do. And he was so close to bankruptcy, we prayed and he began to turn his life around as a Christian and the bankruptcy kept being delayed and delayed and delayed till finally it was just it wasn't there anymore and it was totally taken care of. Uh, some had been to jail, some had cancer, so those had drugs, alcohol, homosexuality, prostitution, some in gangs, some in crimes. Perhaps these are things that God has delivered you from or you don't even know he can deliver you from these. He can. And because of all that God has done for you and Jesus has done for you and wants to do for you, you begin to understand what true agape style love is, undeserved love, love that comes from from God's grace that doesn't look at what you've done, but simply God loves you because of who he is, not because of who you are. Your background may be like these women, high society and educated, but perhaps you're non-educated. Perhaps you're rich, perhaps you're poor. Perhaps you were born on the good side of town or the side of town that wasn't so good. You look at your life, but you know what? Where you came from and your background has nothing. God loves everybody just the same. Your money cannot impress him. Your prestige cannot impress him. Your position in society cannot impress him. The only thing that impressed God was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And on that basis, he forgave you of your sins. And he would simply ask you to do, love him back. If he so loved you, there's no way we can so love God, but God so loved us. So love is the only thing that God has himself that overwhelms everything, his love. In fact, God's name is God is love. 
And he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. So really what this is telling us in is, is again, it doesn't matter what we've done. It can be the worst. It can be the most terrible. It can be a crime. It can be something that, you know, is going to cause us to be killed. It's going to cause us to be, you know, our life be taken in capital punishment, but it still comes back to this. God still wants to save us. And even if you end up being, you know, put to death, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that death is simply a doorway into heaven, not a doorway into hell. Before that, your doorway was headed to hell till you changed along the way like the, the man that was crucified next to Jesus, that thief that was next to him, that in the last closing seconds of his life, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses 11 and 12 says this. If we have sown into your, into your life spiritual things, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. He said, if we as ministers, we represent God, we can never be as good as God. We can never give you as much as God, but what we have, we give to you. If we have sown into your life spiritual things, is it such a great thing if we reap your natural things? If others be partakers of this authority over you, should not we more? Nevertheless, we have not abused this authority, but endure all things so as not to hinder the gospel of Christ. Without provocation, these women gave into the ministry of Jesus. Jesus didn't have to push them or promote them or preach sermons to them about giving. They gave out of love toward him because of the overwhelming love he had for them. This should be the first motivator of us giving into the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're gonna quote it from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse three here a little bit later, but what God says is simply the very motive of your giving should always be agape love, divine love. Again, my agape love will never be as huge as God's agape love, but I can tell you this, that should be the first motive of why I give, not to give anything back, not because I want my name splattered everywhere and people understand I'm a big giver. I don't want that. What I want is simply to know that I have given because I love God first and love people second. Paul said the same thing from this minister's viewpoint. It's acceptable to ask people to give back into the ministry and minister to God because he first loved us. Our giving should be an example and an output of our life, of our love toward God and our love toward people, because why? God's love was shed abroad on us and it's infinite. If you give money to the electric company, to the water company, to the gas company and the department stores, which are worldly and have corruption in them, why do you give to them? Because of the service they provide for you. But here is God didn't give this as a service. He gave his son out of love. In fact, he owed us nothing and there was nothing in our life worthy of Jesus dying for, except for the fact that God chose to love us. Jesus accepted that love and came into this earth and said, I came here for one purpose, to seek and to save those that were lost. And we qualified. Everybody qualified. So again, we give to the electric company, water, gas company, department stores. We pay these people for doing a service for us, but doesn't the ministry have more of a right to ask for your money? See, what I'm saying is there's ministers that ask for your money. I ask for your money from time to time on the broadcast because of what I want to do in the support. And I trust because of your love for me that that's why you give into this ministry. And so these ministers that I'm talking about that you want to support, perhaps it's a pastor and you were saved in the church. And perhaps you went, you know, went to some meeting somewhere, some evangelist preached and you got saved because of that. Perhaps they brought you eternal life and you accepted it. Perhaps they offered healing and you went up and you received divine healing. You need deliverance in your life and you were set free. You need peace in your life. And you it was introduced to you when you accepted Jesus Christ 
Christ as Lord and Savior, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. Then there's a growing peace in our life after that to where we grow in the peace of God every day and you begin to realize something, the world couldn't offer me this. My friends couldn't offer me this. This is the peace that comes from the inside and is not based on circumstances. The peace I have is despite the circumstances and I don't have to have, uh, you know, quiet things going on in this earth around me without any opposition for me to have peace. I can have peace all the time because the Prince of Peace lives inside of me. It simply comes back to this again, is the reason why I give to God is because he first gave to me. So these ministers brought you eternal life. They brought you healing, deliverance, and peace. Paul was on good ground. And Paul was good ground. He being on good ground, he had accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Paul gave into the ministry, but Paul looked at himself as good ground. He said, listen, I've come to you with compassion toward you. I've come to you with love toward you. And everything I have preached to you is not for an offering. I did not come for your money. In fact, in the book of Corinthians, it's interesting, in the book of Acts, when Paul was talking about the Corinthians, he refused to take an offering from them before they were born again because he said, I will not take money from sinners. In fact, it got to the point where Paul had to make tents because he had run out of money and he had left his men back there in all the places he had gone to. And Paul was by himself and broke and he wanted to preach the gospel. And listen, the Corinthians were wealthy people. He could have asked for an offering first and someone preached you the gospel, but you got to give to me first because I need that. That would look like they're paying for the gospel. God, Paul said, no, I want them to be give because I gave to them out of love. So he went and made tents. In fact, he didn't make enough money making tents and had to work all week long so he could pay for one meeting a week. And then later on, the Philippians gave him a great offering because why? Paul had loved them and they gave back to Paul because of that. When they gave to him, it broke him free from having to make tents and he could preach the gospel to them. And many of the Corinthians accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. So Paul was good ground, told us of his integrity, never a scandal attached to his ministry, although he was accused of things, none of them were true. That was found in verse 12 of this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Let me give you some points about giving. Two things about giving. Number one is giving blesses God who has blessed you. Now, again, when you give back to him, it's never as big a blessing as him giving you salvation. On the next thing is, please understand, we're not paying God for his offering of Jesus. We're paying God back in love for what he did for us in love. He gave us the infinite gift of Jesus Christ and we give him back from our limited resources of finances, but it always blesses God. We bless him for our salvation. We bless him for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We blessed him because he's healed us and delivered us from Satan's power. The highest use of money is to advance God's kingdom in this world. The highest motive in giving is love toward God and people. I told you we and get to this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. In this verse of scripture, we're told the highest motive in giving is love toward God and love toward people. So what I'm simply saying to you is be faithful to tithe to your church, which ministers to you. Be faithful to minister financially to ministers who have blessed you and ask you, me, why don't you become a partner with me? All this entire thing is to teach you I have given you out of love. I don't teach you because you're going to give me money. I teach you whether you give me money or not. I am not in this for the money. 
The God who loved me, I give back to him. And the God who loves you through me, you're not giving to Pastor Bob, you're giving to God. I only represent this mediator between you and God that you give financially to. I minister what God has given to me. And when God gives back to you, he also gives back new people. It simply comes back to this. Why don't you partner with me for the spreading of the gospel? If you'd like to do that and the spreading of the word of God for teaching to make disciples, go to my website, bobyandian.com. You'll find on there a place where you can become a partner with me and join me and a lot of other people who have band together to say, we want to see this word of God taught to make disciples and stable Christians out of everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I simply want to say thank you in advance. We'll see you next time. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobbyandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobbyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.